0: Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Let's gather back in. Um, I promise this will be short, uh, not because I didn't have a lot of time to study, but because um, I think I can do it quickly, in Jesus' name. Um, So right off the bat, uh, let's see. Hey, you you, you know what? If if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Ezra chapter 8. You are all standing pretty much. Um, uh, If we could grab one verse to read. I would want to do this one right here. Um, verse uh, 15 is where I really want to focus in here tonight. Ezra chapter 8, verse 15. Um, and I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there abode we in tents three days. And I viewed the people and the priests and found there none of the sons of Levi. And you, you can sit down. Um, so we begin with uh 14 verses of genealogy. Anybody love li- reading ge- genealogies? Sister Eastman loves it. Um it's probably got a benefit somewhere. Um It can be very confusing especially when you realize there's more than one they don't all name each other the same. They all have, there's so many different that have the same name, right? There's two of these guys, three of those guys. We don't know what generation they're in. But you know what? There's probably a purpose to that. And to Ezra and eventually Nehemiah, it was very important to know who was a priest, who was in the tribe of Levi, who is where they're supposed to be in God's order, okay? But I'm not going to read verses 1 through 14. I'll let you pronounce those names for fun on your own. Um. And Sister Eastman says, grab your glasses for that. Um, So what we should take away from the first few verses is that there's about 1,500 men in this second exile return. Um, In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we've got three exile returns. There's the first one that was talked about in the beginning of Ezra where there was a whole bunch of people that came. And then there's this one, the second one, where there's about 1,500 people that came. And then there's the third one, which had, I think, fewer people that came. I could have had that backwards, but there's three main exiles that happen that when I say exiles, the exiles are returning. So it's almost like a reverse exodus. They're coming back to the land of Israel. Um, And I want to just put the timeline here together for you here tonight before we go. Um, they, They leave Babylon... Um, the first day of the first month. Now, the New Living Translation says it's uh, April 8th. They're probably right. They did the studies. They wrote it in the Bible, or at least their Bible. Um, Ezra chapter 7, verse 9 says, For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. Where's Babylon? Iraq. It's in Iraq. It's in the in Middle East. It's the center of the Persian not the center of the Persian Empire, that was Susa, uh, but it's the center of the Babylonian Empire, right? So Ezra leaves Babylon on the first day of the first month, and in the New Living Translation it calls that April 8th, okay? Um, they arrive at the Ahava Canal on April 19th, which is, in, which is uh, the 12th day of the first month, if you go to Ezra chapter 8, verse 31, um, Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy, and of such as lay in the wait by the way. So it takes them a good 11 days of traveling to get from Babylon to, to the Ahava Canal, which, if you look at a map, they just followed the Euphrates River backwards. Um, because I don't know if you know this, but if you take a, draw a straight line between Babylon and Jerusalem, you go through a massive thing called desert. Not helpful in traveling when you don't have a plane. Can I get an amen? Well, you don't want to walk through the dead, the dead Valley, right? Death Valley in, in, in California. Not unless you got a whole lot of water on your back, right? Sister Virginia, not Sister Virginia, Sister Eastman, she's been there. You were in a car, though, weren't you? You were in a car, though, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had a car. And the A.C. was blasting, right? But the bad thing is if you go through the Death Valley and you don't have enough gas, that's not good because they don't just put up a gas station in the middle of Death Valley. Not a lot of traffic. <laughs> um, so in order to get to Jerusalem, they've got to kind of follow the water. And so that's what they do. So it takes them 11 days to get up to the Ahava Canal. And when you start out this chapter, um, I think in verse 15, we realize that's it's this first 11 days where they take a break. And at the Ahava Canal, in verse 15, where we started, it says, that's where he gathered the people together. At the river that runs to Ahava, and they abode in tents three days. And he viewed the people and the priest, and guess what? There's no Levites. All the people that were gathered together. Now, this is in, this is um this reminds me of anybody go, go on a diet before? You 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 go. You you have the plan, right? It would be so nice to be thin. You put the you, you put the you see the pic, you, The person that you went to high school with, he got in his um, multi level marketing company. He says, Jesse, I have something I need to share with you. And you and Jesse says, Is it food? Yes, yes. Have dinner with me. That's fine. I'm signed up, right? And then he shows you the before picture and the after picture, and you're like, That's pretty cool. It sounds like a nice dream at this point, right? And as you, you know, imagine the dream, you know, they, they, they spice it up a little bit. There's more dreams, you know. It's really successful. It has a whole lot of other things going on with it. But then, you know, it comes to a point where you make a decision in your mind. You're like, you know what? I'm buying in, right? I'm buying in. I'm going to do this diet thing. This sounds really good. It's uh, good for him. It's got to be good for me because, you know what? He was fatter than I was at this point, so it's got to work, right? Come on, anybody been there, done there, seen that happen to a friend or two, maybe done it yourself? It doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but you hey, you gotta take care of your body, right? And so you buy in, you get the plan going, and everything's now ready to go. You all you gotta do though is start the plan, right? Which is probably the hard part, right? I've gotta start. I gotta start. I really got to get going. And, you know, sometimes uh, we had this thing that we did when we started AdvoCare, which was buy the supplies. You got to buy the supplies, right? You got to get the, oh, not the pizza this time. I got to set the pizza rolls aside. I can't get those. That's not going to help. Maybe put the bread aside. I'm going to get more fruits and veggies, right? I'm going to get the greens of your research. And you know that the darker greens are better for you than the lighter greens, right? Because the iceberg lettuce is... Just water, and Victor says, maybe get the holy bread. Okay. Not pertaining right yet, but um, maybe the Dave's killer bread, where it's the massively good bread. I don't know. But you really prepare yourself, right? You get the supplies. Day one comes, and you're going to begin to execute the plan, right? This is what's happened here with Ezra and with the plans. They've already built the altar. They rebuilt the altar in the first few chapters. They're in the process of rebuilding the temple, if they haven't done it already. And now Ezra is commanded, well, he's suggested to go. He's got permission from the king, doesn't he? There's tons of obstacles that they had to face, wasn't there? There was letters of rumors and this guy and that guy trying to stop the the rebuilding and the gathering together again, saying, "These are rebels. These Israelites—they're just rebels. Don't support them. You're going to lose out on your tax base." But the king authorizes it. He gives permission. He even buys all the supplies so the so they're ready to go. And listen to some of these supplies. Um, this is in, I think it's verse 24. I think it is where it lists all these. 26, maybe. There's 24 tons of silver that they take with them, equivalent to about $18 million nowadays. Say, that's a lot. lot. Um, 7,500 pounds of silver parts, or parts that are silver, so that they can be part of the temple. That's another $2.5 million. That's a lot. lot. 7,500 pounds of gold which is about 191 million dollars worth of stuff. So here's Ezra, you know, picture yourself a nice scrawny little levite, right? Cuz he's a direct descendant of Aaron. And he's the organizer and he's he, he's got the whole thing ready to go and he's got 1500 guys and they're going to take uh, about 215 million dollars worth of supplies and they're just going to head down To Jerusalem for a three four month travel because eventually they get to Jerusalem August 8th which is the first day of the fifth month so it's a five month travel four month travel carrying a little over 200 million dollars you're feeling excited right There's no wire transfer, okay? You know, you're not putting your money in the bank and then going to go pick it up at the other bank in Jerusalem. No, they're carrying it with them. Some Levites and some priests, right? You'd be... How would you feel taking your whole life savings, not just yours, but your whole family's, not just your whole family's, but maybe your whole country's savings, okay? Okay? You get all of the United States. Never mind, there's no money in the United States. Um, you, you get all the gold at Fort Knox, and you've got to transport it across the country without anybody taking it from you, okay? Go. You can, you can, it makes a little bit more sense when you get to verse 22. And Ezra says, for I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers. The New Living Translation, I think, says, um, I was afraid to ask him for help. I was ashamed to ask the king and soldiers to accompany us. I don't know. I read that verse the first time, and I thought to myself, why wouldn't you be afraid? I would say send them all, please. But, of course, I forget to read the second half of the verse. There's a reason for it. Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, the hand of our God is upon all of them for good and that seek him but his power and his wrath against is against them that forsake him Ezra just put this in your mind the pastor essentially he knows that the path is going to be difficult he knows that there's a lot at stake right he knows that in fact everything is at stake the whole entire rebuilding process the whole entire uh, it's all hinged on his shoulders And he's going to go through the troubled spots. And he's going to go, there's going to be bandits that are going to try to take things. There's going to be people that are of ill repute that are going to think, I could use a couple of those millions of dollars. I could grab a little bit of that blessing. But you know, what Ezra does is amazing because what he does is he commits all the way and says, We don't need your help, king, because our God is powerful. Have you ever gotten a word from the Lord and you thought, I don't, I mean, wow, yeah, you're God. You can handle that, but I'm not God. I don't know if I can handle that. Anybody? Have have you been promised by God that you would win many souls and you don't know how to construct a sentence together very well? Mm -hmm. Come on. Has God, you know, just think about your pastor for a minute. And think about where God brought him from, right? He he brought him from Iowa, and he would say the same thing. He was a no-good, rotten hick that was a, a drunk. And God put something on his heart to follow after him. And at some point in his life, God put something in his heart to pasture. Can you imagine what would be on his heart? Yeah, I know you can do that, Lord, but me? How often do we do that when God challenges us, when our pastor challenges us? In Ezra chapter 8 is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. It's where your diet plan that you've been preparing for, you purchased all, you you stacked up your groceries, and you you spent so much more. Listen, in this case, God's helping you out. God's preparing you. He's getting you ready. But now is the time where Ezra is going to pull the trigger. He's going to get going. He opens up the fridge in verse 15. Okay, metaphor. He opens up the fridge and when he's getting ready for his diet he realizes I actually don't have the supplies I need. Ezra's looking out and he says I don't have the Levites. I don't have it. There's no Levites. At that point he could have just quit, couldn't he? I, I guess we don't have the Levites. We really can't do this. When you think about it as a as a leader, you start to think, I guess this church doesn't really want revival. That can be easy. You can look at the people that are around you and say it doesn't look like they want to jump and dance. Maybe, maybe we'll just kind of coast for a little bit until God sends the magic Holy Ghost again. Hey, we as Pentecostals can fall into that rut where we treat the Lord as a little magical spell that happens once in a while. We come to church on Sunday, on Wednesdays, if we're really good, Pentecostals. And we'll just, you know, wait for that good old revival. But hey, you know when that revival smacks you, whoa hallelujah, fall out the door, right? Hey, God's changing things for us. He's changing not just our church, but he's changing our relationship with, not he's not changing our relationship, he's changing the way the church is going to interact with the world in these last days. How many times have we said that they can't all fit in the doors? La Crosse County's got 150,000 people and they can't all fit in these doors, can they? But you know, if we spread it out a little bit, a few of them at your house, a few more at your house, maybe start a new church. Come on, amen? Back to the Acts chapter 2, the chapter 3, the 4 and 5, and the whole book of Acts, Right? I start to think about this situation right here where the pastor, Ezra, looks out and sees nobody's willing. I have a volunteer problem. Can anybody say, I see it? Hello? But you know, pastor, he has been called to rebuild. He's been called, and just because nobody showed up to rebuild doesn't mean pastor gives up because did he receive a gift from the Lord? Did he receive a calling from God? Hey, some of you who have been praying, who have been fasting, who have been asking for God's will to happen in your life, children, when you pray to the Lord, God's going to answer you. He's probably going to talk to you a lot quicker than he's going to talk to me or, or sister mom or sister Eastman or brother Jesse because we're adults. We've got that whole adult thing going on. We've kind of lost the child aspect a little bit, haven't we? Hey, you are the kingdom of heaven. And if you children get a hold of talking to the Lord now, you're going to deepen your walk with God. You're going to be the cause of revival. Amen? Amen. That must have been the Lord because I didn't plan that. Um, Pastoral submission has got to happen. Because look what the pastor did. He didn't... He didn't throw a fit. He didn't, look what Ezra did here. I'm I'm kind of, when I say the pastor, I'm looking at Ezra. And I want you to think of your pastor, and I want you to think of yourself as a pastor to some people. Now, I'm saying that because pastor would say the same thing. He doesn't want you to think of him as the only way to get to God. Hello? Hello? God made each and every single one of us to go out and spread the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Pastor has been called to rebuild something. You've been called to win some souls. And what Ezra does is he goes out and he gets some more souls. He gets some more Levites. But what I want you to take away in verse 15 here is when pastor calls for levites to come when he calls for men and women of god to say hey i need some people to pray with me jump to your feet run to the altar do what he wants you to do i guarantee you if you submit to your pastor to your leadership to the person that's above you god's gonna make things easy for you amen let me make it easier for you um if you're a parent, this will sound real good. You've told your children, if you just listen, things go real well. Because you know better than them, don't they? Don't you? You may not know exactly what they want in their life, but you know what? You know what's good for them, don't you? Amen? God put a pastor in our lives for a reason. God put Ezra in Israel to help out his children, his children of Israel for a time and a place. And ju- and we don't know exactly why the Levites didn't show up. It could have been that they were comfortable in Babylon, in Persia. It could have been that they were too busy. Hello? But I didn't stop the pastor. I want to challenge us here tonight. Pastor may have some weird ideas. Pastor may have the off-the-wall thing that comes at us. He may ask us to do the, in our mind, weird, dumb things that we don't think make any sense. But you put that out of your mind and say, hey, is it, is it out of Scripture what he's asking? If it's not out of Scripture, if it's not out of the will of God, hey, get behind him and do it. If he asks you to make yourself uncomfortable and invite somebody to church, do it. Oh, But I'm scared. I'm not sure what I'll say right. Don't squander the gift God put in your heart. Don't squander that. Amen? In fact, if you decide to get behind your pastor, you're not only going to take an effort off of his shoulder, a burden off of his shoulder, but you're going to bless yourself and your own family. Amen? Hallelujah. Because if you begin to resist pastor, you're going to begin to actually resist God in your life. God put him in your life. Amen? I say, I say this because it's I've seen it happen in my own life. You follow the man of God that God has put in your life. And even if your pastor is being attacked, even if that man or woman of God that's above you, that you look up to, that you've put under you as, a, as an authority in your life, even if they're being attacked, you stand up for them. You stand behind them. Because when you do that, God's going to bless you. He's going to bless your children. He's going to bless everyone around you. We don't serve God for that blessing. But if it's for, he, if we're following our pastor and supporting him, it's for God's glory. Amen? Look at what Ezra was doing in verse 22. He didn't want to ask the king for help to give God glory. To give God glory. Ezra went out on a limb and he put his neck on the line. Amen? He put the whole wealth of an entire nation on quite the gamble from the world's perspective. He did not take the king's help because he had the Lord on his side, amen? Um, Also, look at the pastor's attitude here, Ezra. I want you to, uh, verse 17 and verse 18. When he heard and he saw that there was no Levites that came, he didn't get upset. Well, it doesn't say he got upset. Did he get upset? You know what? He was probably disappointed. He was probably a little frustrated. If you've got 24 tons of silver in your back pocket, you're wondering, I wonder how I'm going to take care of this when I got no help. Hello? When you got 25 kids that show up for Sunday school and you got three teachers, you wonder to yourself, "I don't think I can do this unless I got some help." Hello, all the Sunday school teachers said, "Amen, If you've taught Sunday school <laughs> But hey, verse 17 and verse 18, I want to read this with you, okay? I sent them with commandment. This is Ezra talking unto Ido the chief of the place. So Ezra says, "I sent them with commandments." I told them what they should say. I'm skipping around here. And they should, that they should bring unto us ministers. So he sent a commandment. And he told them what they should say. And he told them to bring some ministers unto, for the house of God. In Verse 18, and by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Mali, the sons of Levi, a son of Israel, and Sherebiah, with his sons, with his brethren, 18. He got 18 leaders. He needed some more help. He wasn't going to quit because God called him to do something. Your pastor has been called, amen? He's been called of God to reach a people, not just the people in this church, but more, yes. further. Beyond, and he's not going to stop until he's fulfilled his calling. So get behind your pastor, make it easier for him, because when you do that, it's going to glorify God. Yeah, amen. And this is exactly what we see. Ezra didn't throw a fit. He didn't smack anybody around. He didn't say, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to strike someone down." You know what he did? He gave leadership. He gave commands. And you know what? When your pastor gives you commands, you might not like it because you're an adult. Come on. But you know what? God put leaders in our life, didn't he? Because he gave them a calling. And you might be wondering, but you know what? God put a calling on my life. That makes me a leader. Sure. Who are you under, though? Because you're not ruler of the world. Amen? Amen. So you must be under somebody. So get behind that person. Get behind the pastor that God put in front of you. Get behind the leader that God put in front of you. Amen? And when you do that, it's going to be a blessing. Because God doesn't just put pastors and leaders in your life that are going to be trouble for you. And even if they are, maybe that means you're the one that needs to get right with him. But even if they really are, God will take care of that. God will take care of that leader. Ezra may have been discouraged, but you know what? He continued on. He found the people he needed. You know, when God sees a calling in your life, he's going to see it through to the end if you follow him. If God called you, follow through with it. He didn't leave the Ahava Canal until he had his Levites. And when he had his Levites... It was time to commit. Verse 21, and there, I'm going, to read, um, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation here. And there by the Ahava Canal I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. And you know why he prayed and fasted, right? Verse 22, the only protection they had was God. He put his faith in God. Hallelujah. When you go about trying to rebuild your altars, rebuild your church, you're going to have to put some faith in God's hands. Amen? There might be some funds necessary, and you don't know where that fund's going to come from. Put your faith out. Put your faith forward, hallelujah. Put your faith forward because your pastor is doing things to glorify God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was determined, Ezra was determined to give God the glory in all things, in his dedication, in his fasting, in his prayer. We need to get a hold of a fasting, amen? Amen. And it's not just so we can lose some weight. In fact, it has nothing to do with it. It's to get ourselves in line with Him. Too often we want to fast to get something done. Hello? We want to fast to get some souls in the house. We want to fast to to get our, I don't know, our paycheck on time. We want to fast to twist God's arm. But hey, let's fast to get our will under His will which is the whole point of this chapter 8. Get yourself underneath your pastor. Get in there. Fill that role of the Levi. You see something that's got an empty spot in your church? Fill it. Find that hole. God wants to fill the gap. Are we going to fill that gap? Hallelujah. And then they traveled for four months for the rest of the four months, and they got to Israel. And the rest of the chapter is them uh, delivering the goods to Jerusalem. They made sure to weigh it in, and they weighed it out. They wanted to make sure everything got there safely. And then they used some of that money to buy the offerings, to buy the stuff needed, so they could begin their consecration to their God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So just as we, just like the metaphor I used at the beginning, right? You got your diet ready. You got everything purchased. You might have some lack. Take care of it. Get yourself prepared. And then it's time to commit all the way. Pray about your Bible study that's going to happen. Don't just go in there half-cocked. Don't go in there just thinking, you know what? I know most of the Bible. It'll, it'll come to me. You know what? Yes, the Lord moves through in mighty ways spiritually, doesn't he? That doesn't mean we don't have to prepare. Hallelujah. Prepare. I put together notes. There are not as many notes as Pastor Boyd. He's got 20 pages he puts together, although I'm sure he does. I haven't seen his notes. He's got 20 pages he puts together. Um, But you know what? Pastor, just as much as I, when I preach, for some reason our notes don't always get followed. Because there's a Lord that's there, amen? He gets involved and he'll move the man of God where he needs to be moved so that Victor can hear the word of God when he needs to hear it, amen? So that Sister Eastman can hear what she needs to hear. Amen? Amen. So chapter 8 is getting ourselves ready. Getting ourselves not just ready, but making sure that we're submitted to God when he's getting ready to rebuild And we have an idea of how we should rebuild our altars, don't we? We think that, you know what, the Lord has showed me that I need to take care of this and this and this in my life. But there's a reason Ezra's in this chapter. You need a pastor to reveal some things to you too. You need a pastor to give you direction. And if you would get behind pastor you get behind the, you know, wives, if you get behind your husband as he follows pastor, if children, if you get behind your mom and you follow the things that she says, as she follows her husband, as he follows pastor, as pastor follows God, that's the design that God made, amen? And that's the beginning of the rebuilding is to get the base right, the base of the rebuilding of your altar, of your temple, of your salvation, of your relationship with God is getting yourself in the right authority. Filling the gaps that God has revealed to us and getting behind the man of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And that's where I'll end it. anybody have any questions?